You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome back to another edition of the Michigan Football Breakdown, focused on the offense with that man who's a star. I've laid out all of his credentials. This man has coordinated many of an offense, coast to coast, north, south, east, west. But that's not what they know you as now. That's not what they know you for now, Al. You go in the airport. And someone said, hey, aren't you that guy that I see rubbing his head all the time? <laughs> the to, up a little bit, right? You know, it's amazing. I went to the airport and went to the uh, Sky Captain, and I just submitted my uh, stuff. And he says, I recognize that voice. Well, I've never heard had anybody tell me that they recognize my voice. Aren't you the guy that I watch on, on the Michigan Insider that leans on their hands and goes like this? I go, oh, God. I said, that's what I'm noted as. Goes, yeah. I go, Look at you. Yeah. Super, superstar oh, Al Borges and author Al Borges. And, you know, you made your way down to, down to, or, uh, down to Auburn, I should say, and took a bunch of books with you and didn't come back with it. Yeah, it was awesome. I, I, uh, I sacrificed the Michigan State-Michigan game to go watch Auburn get beat by uh, Arkansas. The, now, that's not really why I went. I went because I wanted uh, to do a book signing, which was awesome. We sold out books. It was really popular. Um, went on a radio show with Jason Campbell and uh, Ronnie Brown. Had a great time down there. The game was lousy, but the uh, trip was great. I brought my my kids and my wife and it was fun and I wouldn't trade it for anything, but um, I would have enjoyed a better game. Yeah, man. Well, you missed what was a great atmosphere in Ann Arbor uh, last week as Michigan took on the Michigan state Spartans. It's always, uh, you know, to me, it's the banter back and forth. I know a lot of people don't like that, you know, to each his own. I I think the, the banter is a part of the fun. It's, it's a part of what, you know, kind of juices juices up the rivalry and and you know the, the jabs that you can give. And yeah, you know, well, you you can't help yourself, so I don't. You, you're gonna find a way to justify it. I, I don't I'm, not, I'm not justifying. Look, I understand people have people tastes. People's tastes are different about what constitutes fun, what constitutes sportsmanship. Uh, you know, I think that we can all agree, though, whatever side of the end of the spectrum you fall on, we'll get into. We'll get into the X's and O's of the game. We're going to talk red zone. But the overriding theme, the overriding storyline coming out of that contest, Al, and we'll just start there. Michigan wins 29-7. to uh, And afterwards, you have, uh, you know, a slew of Michigan State players assaulting two Michigan players in the tunnel. Uh, I don't know during your time here at Michigan if you ever experienced any tunnel issues between teams or – you've ever seen any tunnel issues any place you've been or if you've ever experienced anything like that between teams but I'm just curious what were your thoughts as you saw uh, what happened unfold oh that was that was awful I mean I didn't see exactly what happened but if what they're saying's happened happened that's just ugh, that's just not what the game's about you know that's that's what I hate about win lose or draw you got to find a way to deal with the circumstances I mean Michigan's had to do it the last couple of years, and it happens, you know. But um, 
it's got to be controlled without question. And people have, there has to be a, a, an awareness that there will be both teams walking up the tunnel at the end of the game. Either have them come at different times or have it monitored as they walk. Because, you know, after you've battled in a hotly contested game, anything can happen now. I mean, you get one guy says something stupid or does something stupid, you know, the reaction to what they say, there is just, but regardless, uh, I mean, you asked if I'd seen it before. Yeah. We stepped out of the locker room one year when uh, Ohio state was coming out at the same time. Oh my God. The, the the banner that was going back and forth was unbelievable. But there was no fight. I mean, there was nobody, nobody jumping anybody. It was just the way it is. I mean, when you get, you two teams fired up before a football game, but after a game, it's so heated. And then you get a couple guys that don't have very good judgment. And, you know, there's just no way to justify what went on. And then and any way you cut it, and a lot of people are going to say, well, it's enticed by somebody saying some of this. When it turns to violence, there's no way to justify it. As long as it just stays talk, that happens mm-hmm. before, during, and after football games oh, man. Right? Come all on. the time. Talking about here. But it can't, it can't reach that stage. Uh, it's now, be you know, have, have you coached? Have you coached? Uh, you know, how many football games do you say you coached in your career? Oh my God, I don't know. I know this. I my agent once told me I called over thirty thousand plays. So if that gives you any idea, in forty three years, you know, uh, that's a lot of games. But I never counted them. In in the forty three years you've been coaching, do the majority of stadiums you've been in? have two separate tunnel entrances for teams or do they all come yeah. out of the same tunnel? Yeah, most of them did. I'm, tr- You know, now that you mentioned it, I'm trying to think now of a place that didn't, other than Michigan. And I've been on both sides of that because I've coached against Michigan and been in the other locker room too. Mm-hmm. But never really, from that perspective, ran into any issues. But yeah, I mean, I, I've seen plenty. It's Michigan State. Don't they all come out the same tunnel in Michigan State? Uh, do they? I don't think so i don't remember i don't think so you help me i yeah I don't, they might they might but i, I i'm sure there's somebody else that i just know. watched the packers i just watched the packers and the bills they came out of the same tunnel yeah players, no players i'm sure they're there going back and forth i'm sure they're there but i don't i can't i'd have to go through every stadium Man, if you uh, can't handle talk so, so yeah. to me you say you got a couple guys they they say something and they join back and forth there's a couple guys that's one thing if it's a bunch of guys, if it's ten or more, you got a bunch of guys saying that's that's a that's not that that's more about the the, the program and, and yeah. the coach not having control of his guys uh, yeah. than you have one or two maybe running a ride running errant. So, you right. know, well, the one thing that people don't understand, Sam, and maybe they do. If and this is one thing, if you played, you understand this better. Uh, but when the game's over. There's got to be a cooling down period. You know, notice that with the press, they don't always have the coach come in right away. They'll right. usually give them like 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, the players, same way. You just went through a, a game, a highly uh, intense football game, and, and you either win or you lose, right? One team's fired up and the other team's disappointed. And you're very fragile emotionally at that time. So uh, when the team's interact at that time. It's probably not the healthiest thing in the world to have happen. So you got to monitor that. I think you got to monitor that coach as coaches. You got to make sure either one team goes up before the other one does, or if they're, if you're forced to both of them come at the same time, have people filtering through the, the players to make sure that there's no nonsense. And I think that's the only way I can imagine even handling that. But I just know the, the people are emotionally fragile after games, particularly the team that didn't win. 
And yeah. it can be. And I've seen coaches now. I've seen coaches in each other's throats. You know, not just what you, you, you know, when it's on television, you see it on the field, right? But I've seen where they're walking up the tunnel. There are no television cameras and there's confrontation. So, uh, I mean, I've seen coaches walk, even though there were just separate tunnels with the other coaches went over to tell one coach or another uh, something that wasn't exactly uh, going to put him on his Christmas card list. So, uh, you know, those things happen and, and, and you got you got to be careful, but it can't reach the point at reach because that's over the top. Yeah, Antoine Johnson, I'm, I'm right there with you. He said these players have to learn how to accept that and hold that L. I agree 100. percent Yeah, learn how to deal with disappointment. Learn how to lose. Right. right? You know, there. And you got to learn how to win too. You know, the other thing too is you got to you got to tell your players. And again, nothing justifies what they did. I wouldn't begin to defend that. But you got to tell your players win with class too. So avoid, you know, talk. Hey, stay away from the other team. The game's over. Let's just get up and we'll celebrate. Let's have fun together. I would be. A Some different. guys can't handle that, but I would coach it different. I'd be like, hey man, yeah, well, I know hey, how you are. Don't you, don't, you don't count. Hey, yeah. but let him have. Hey, I'm I'm that one. I'm I'm doing what Jim Harbaugh did. Yeah, I'm throwing it up at the end of the game. Absolutely, I'm trying to tack another touchdown on. And if mm-hmm. you don't like it, stop me. And 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 if you got a problem with it, even after you stop me, come back next year. Come mm-hmm. back next year. Use that as fuel. Use that as motivation. That's what rivalries are about, as far as I'm concerned. And if you can't mm-hmm. if you can't process that, if you can't handle that without getting physical, without losing your composure, then that's a you problem and not a me problem as far as Well, I'm I've been that philosophy my whole career. I have never – now, I've been on the bad side and good side of many, many games and some, you know, a couple bad ones. But I have never complained about a team running the score up, ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I said exactly the same thing. I said, well, you, you want to shut them up, stop them, mm-hmm. or file it and, and, and know that you may get your opportunity to do the same thing. So I don't – I don't think much of that, you know. Well, let's get into the game, Al Borges. All right, so Michigan wins this game 29-7. to uh, It is much closer, I think, at, at halftime than many of us expected it to be. Michigan State played them, played them tough for a half, uh, and really, at least as far as slowing Michigan down is concerned, they slowed them down in the red zone, Al. We thought that this would be a game where Michigan – uh, sort of dominated them through the air. It wound up being a dominant effort, but really it was about the, the physicality on, on the ground, sort of playing to your defense that really slammed the door on them in the second half and your field goal uh, kicking more than it was the passing game. So it was it, it wound up being dominant, just not the kind of dominant at least that, that I expected it to be. Yeah, too many ham sandwiches, Sam. Not enough steaks, right? Uh, <laughs> the ball moved nicely. You know, between the twenties, that was not an issue. Uh, I don't think they did. They they punted once, I believe, right? Punted once, and they had a turnover. Uh, that was the only time they were stopped. But the drives inside the twenty were a combination of a lot of things. Okay, um, some a poor job up front of getting plays started. And you know, when you get down there, they're going to be less discriminate, right? They're going to be in, indiscriminate at times defensively because they know they have to make something happen to either get a turnover or force a field goal. So you got to be more finite with your technique. And there were some technique errors in there that I think hurt them. A couple untimely calls into some bad scenarios, not too many, but a couple. Um, uh, running into some bad numbers, 
you know. And remember now, you get close to that goal line, those safeties get tighter and your numbers get tougher and tougher to block. So that was it. But I think in the first five trips to the red zone, I charted the whole red zone, went over the whole thing just because I knew it was going to be a, a bone of contention, is they scored one touchdown in uh, – in five drives, you'd like to be around 80% touchdown percentage if you can, you know, that, but that, that, I, think, I think Michigan touchdown percentage in the red zone, I believe is 63%. Area. Yeah. Fifth most trips to the red zone in the country, uh, but ranked 58th in, in terms of, in terms of touchdown percentage. So look, they, they get there more than most teams. And so I, I guess you could kind of say, you know, you're, you're in part, uh, judging them based on frequency that they get there compared to some other teams. But still, you know, that's the yeah. bar, right? The bar is you're one of the best in the country. Uh, what? So what What would the metric be? You're the coordinator. When you said a, a, you're a successful red zone team, what was the percentage touchdown-wise? You, li- you like to be around 80%. You know, you like to be around 80% if you can. The thing Michigan's got going for them, and I know you never, and I've got, I pounded my shoe on the desk about this. You never want to be kicking too many field goals, right? But seldom does Michigan come away with nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's important. It's, it's important, even though it's not what you want, to drive that far and come away with nothing is, it can be morally, you know, difficult to deal with. But they always seem to come away with something, even when they don't. But, the goal is to get touchdowns, kick extra points, don't kick field goals, right? And if the, uh, Michigan State stayed in this game only because of Michigan continually uh, kicking field goals. So uh, the thing about it uh, down there is I, I believe the best red zone years I had as a coordinator is you didn't depend on touchdown passes, but it had to be part of it. You know what I'm saying? So if you're scoring, if you say you're 80%, you're really doing well in the red zone, about half of those should be touchdown passes, okay? About half of those should be touchdown passes. Michigan, because they're a power-running team, uh, generally when they get in an early down in the red zone, it's going to be a run because they want, you know, they're, they're a running team that wants to make the defense prove they can stop the run, Okay. Uh, for example, in the first drive, the first run in the red area on first and goal was a split zone for fly action, okay? Now it got leakage, okay? They could not get the wrapper on the kickout because uh, uh, 64 Slade leaked into the backfield. The first drive of the second the second drive was a tackle wrap from 4-2, which was a pretty good play. So that's two red zone trips. First play is a run. Third red zone was uh, a tight zone from triple formation, uh, that hit decent. Uh, the fourth drive, the first play was was a naked boot, which was which was should have been big, should have been big, but but there was an error made on that play because Ronnie Bell was wide open on the play. And then the fifth drive, the split zone fly action. So four out of the five drives on first and ten uh, were runs, and I think that the reason they are is because of uh, their style of play. They're a power running team, and that that makes sense. But if you're struggling in the red zone, if you're struggling in the red zone, sometimes it's a good idea to mix it up more, knowing that the field is constricted and the defense feels more uh, compelled to be indiscriminate. I remember uh, a conversation I had back in 2001 with Bill Walsh, and it was all about play calling. 
red zone play calling, overall play calling, but we talked about everything. I thought Bill was the best play caller I'd ever been around. So I had a million questions for him regarding play calling. And one thing I asked him, I, he asked me, actually, he asked me, he says, Al, uh, when you hit an explosive play, when you hit an explosive play and you get down inside the 20-yard line, what's your next call? Is it a run? And I looked at him and I go, ooh, God, I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of that. And I, his response was, so was I. He goes, but I learned over time that sometimes it's a good idea after you hit an explosive play, don't just automatically respond to the running play. Come back and throw a high percentage pass or take a shot for the end zone with a touchdown check down. And it really uh, resonated with me after I, I wish I had talked to him before 2001. Uh-huh. And that doesn't mean every time, but that means don't make it every time that you're calling a run either. And I think sometimes that that can come back to get you. So uh, it, it's it has been conservative, you know, and, but and in, against the better opponents, that can get tougher to do. No doubt. All right. So there was one adjustment that we talked about last week as far as, you know, them improving in the red zone that they did try to incorporate. It wasn't really that successful. We said, hey, you know, look for them to try to use J.J. as a runner more in the red zone. They tried that in this game, Al, and that wasn't really that successful. Why was that? Yeah, a um, couple of plays. Uh, the uh, first time uh, down in the red zone, they ran an open zone and pulled the ball. Uh, it was an open side zone, but there was a tight end surface on the backside, and J.J. was basically reading number 33, who was the overhang safety. And the safety kind of scooted inside a little bit, and he pulled the ball. Now, should he have pulled the ball is arguable. Okay, Uh, but what happened is we did not get good blocks in the perimeter. And when he pulled it, they fell off and it was a it was a tackle for loss. So it's another play, you know, that if the receiver gets that block, you you think he run he outruns. He might have it because he's been outrunning everybody. Not very often do they recover and catch him. So my money would have been on him, but uh, it never really developed. Another time they motioned into a quads or a four man formation by taking Donovan Edwards out of the backfield and then setting a little spot screen to the field, which I think they would have thrown had the numbers been good, mm-hmm. but the call in the huddle was a quarterback draw. Okay. So he, 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 you know, peeked to see how they adjusted to the motion. They put four players over the four players, which made the box light, but we, Michigan did a poor job of blocking the box. JJ, I think could have sold the draw a little bit better to let the rush shake out and find the cavities in the rush for the draw, but it just wasn't very well blocked and uh, didn't result in a very good uh, result, to a very good outcome. So then he tried a bluff zone, uh, which was the third play I saw down. And again, these are all different series, Sam, just so you know that they mm-hmm. weren't in sequence. They tried a bluff zone where uh, they get, ran into a numbers problem because uh, Barnhart, I think, should have taken the inside linebacker and left him free on, on a scrape, and the safety came down. So you had two outside with only one to block him on the bluff. They bluffed the end. He squeezed. J.J. pulled the ball, which he should have, but when he pulled it, he pulled it into two players with the ability to only block one of them, so that play didn't result. So they tried to run the quarterback, which I thought is a good strategy down there. You can add a blocker, you know, you sometimes, but – uh, just some some numbers problems and some execution problems kept that from working as good as it could. Yeah. So uh, again, there you saw an opportunity. I mean, the the one if your receiver gets a block, that very well could have been a touchdown for for JJ when he when he pulls the ball. Other is, is dicey. I don't know that he scores on that quarterback draw even with 
with better blocks, but they're they're leaning on their strength, which is their their mm-hmm. running game. But if they which are, is understandable, yeah, yeah. If, if they're gonna take the next step, because I, I've said this since the game, I said it with Devin, he and he agreed with this. What they do, how they do it, I mean, Michigan is with Michigan is they're one of the the, the top five teams in the country. They, they'll they'll be ninety five percent of the teams in this country right now today coaching and playing exactly the way that they are. Yes. Yes, I would agree with that. If if they are going to beat Bama, Georgia, win at Ohio State, maybe that, that might be – it feels like the red zone is going to have to improve. And to me, the, the missing link, novice perspective, but incorporating the receivers more, mm-hmm. more Al. I mean, it, it just yeah. – you, you look at what they – what they do, whether it's leaning on the run game or even when they go past. I mean, there were 12 receiver targets in this game on on 26 opportunities. I mean, they they go 13 personnel, even with 14 personnel in this game, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're going to throw to your back some. I mean, you're a, a lot of their throw game focuses right now on on tight ends and and running backs almost as much, and in this game more than receivers and if they are going to uh be you know sort of maximize their potential feels like though that deep talented receiver room that they have they're gonna have to try to utilize it more yeah i think uh now uh ronnie bell i think i had he had nine catches a couple weeks ago so mm-hmm. it's not like they've been neglected but in this game and in some games uh they haven't been featured as much. I love using the inside receivers in the offense. I think it's awesome because they're the closest to the quarterback. And if you've got capable guys, it's good. But the thing about it is because there is some skill out there, and in particular in the red area, I think the receivers uh, got to play a part in that. Now, I, I mentioned uh, if you're an 80% scoring team inside the red zone and 50% of those are on touchdown passes, I think uh, a tactic to consider, and I don't know, you know, again, I think they're doing pretty good, but they got to improve that phase. Is if you're going to throw touchdown passes, attempt them on earlier earlier downs, okay, where uh, you can get your receivers involved. Okay, now say, hey, because uh, once it gets to third down with that restricted area, your odds really get bad. Okay, but if you can if you can uh, use those wideouts on earlier downs where you can play pass and throw behind people, or if you're getting press coverage, may throw up, maybe throw a fade up to a, a good 50, 50 guy. Uh, and there were a couple scenarios and that that's one thing I look for. Cause I know there's been a lot of talk about throwing uh, fade balls down there, but I always look at the scenario. How much, how much are they giving you those? Cause you don't want to be throwing corner with corners off and loose staring inside throwing fades. Well, there were some chances as I look back at the red area, there were some chances to throw some fade balls although Michigan really has not featured that much in their offense. But if you're struggling in the red zone, it might be something to consider. But I think I think I would stick with what they're doing running the football, maybe mix it on different downs, run a pass on first once in a while, run on second once in a while, then see what happens, do what you got on third down. But that's the way to get the receivers more involved is early down passing or throwing the ball after an explosive play that puts you down inside the 20. You know, one of the things Devin pointed out, uh, on the uh, Monday morning quarterback was uh, using the width and depth in the red area, included and in, in specifically in the end zone, a lot of frontline end zone plays for Michigan, as opposed to also using the depth 
of the of the end zone too. Uh, just it's a restricted area, and that his contention was they constricted it more just by attacking the front of the end zone without really threatening the back of the end zone. Did you see anything there? Yeah, I th- yeah, I think you have to. The the way to attack goal line zone defenses now. The goal. Let's let's talk about this now, okay? And the way to attack a blitzing zero team is to single up your receivers or run pick routes. Okay, if you can get time, you can run multiple crosses too. But usually, that's how most people attack blitzing zero defenses. Is is you know crossing routes, fade balls, or or pick plays. Okay. Uh, when you're facing a goal line zone, which Michigan uh, State was in quite a bit, where they played a version of a, what we call red seven, where they're, where they're goal line zone across the board and they were pressing, uh, singing up the X receiver. Well, you can throw a fade ball to the X receiver if the guy's up tight, or you can work high lows. Okay. And I think this is what Devin's talking about is working low receiving. Down, and Michigan tried one of these early in the game on third down and, and they defended it pretty well. But, uh, having one one underneath and one behind so that you can high-low that defender and then stare down that underneath guy to get him to jump that guy and try and throw the ball on a back line behind him. That's another way to attack it or attack the flanks with high-lows, okay, where you're slip, slipping somebody to flat and slipping somebody to the corner and seeing what the guy does. You know, that's another way to do it. I mean, there's there's lots of different answers to it but they all come down to execution and some tight throws sam some tight throws for example uh one time down in the red zone they had a third down and they ran a hank route with hank as we've said before are three curls with a tight end sitting in the middle and two people in the flat now on that one they motioned into empty and 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 donovan edward just kind of stood there in a flat to try and pull the coverage up ronnie bell ran a curl cj ran a curl and uh and luke ran a curl in the middle and he, it was tight. It was tight. Uh, they ran a version of what we, what I call four Tampa, where the Michael linebacker blows out of there, but kind of sits because it's close to the goal line. And there was a crack in there to Luke. And he threw him a perfect ball that Luke couldn't handle. I think it was coming at high RPMs now because it has oh. to, right, Sam? It has to come at RPMs because the windows are so, so tight inside the 10. And uh, on that play, Ronnie Bell was open. But but the throw was not bad. It was a touchdown pass, but it was going to be a good catch. The ball was thrown behind him at high RPMs. was not going to be an easy catch, but he basically located it in the only place I think he could. So, I mean, that was another deal and another chance for a receiver to catch a ball. He just didn't get to that read. But all that stuff, you know, you just have to know what you're dealing with. Are you dealing with blitz? Are you dealing with uh, red seven or, or goal line zone coverage? And then have a good plan for it. You know, one of the things uh, to consider, because look, let, let's remember, and this is important to highlight, they won the game. Michigan's 8-0. Uh, no matter which way you slice it, this wound up being a dominating effort of Michigan State. It wasn't necessarily, it obviously wasn't a dominating first half, but they finished them off in dominant fashion. They yeah. pushed them around. They yeah. completely but This, this conversation is more about the tight games. Yeah, it's, it's more about when you yeah, look. Yeah. If the if the goal is championship, right. which it is, winning in Columbus, winning in the playoffs, winning a national championship, we're talking about the last four or five teams. Michigan's good enough right now to beat everyone else. Period. You can't convince me otherwise, right? So, what do they need to do to beat those teams? And is it important? Is is part of that incorporating, you know, or or feet? 
feeding more miles. Some people say, look, it's whatever it takes to win. I don't care what it looks like in terms of who's involved. If the, if the receivers catch one ball versus them catching 20, that's not important. Just winning the game is important. This is one, and I'm asking you as a play caller, Al, where I, I kind of wonder, are, are both purposes met of, of playing winning football and feeding more miles being a, an ingredient of that? Because I, I think to a story you told about Ronnie Brown, he's looking at you. Yeah, you got Cadillac Williams. Congratulations, Cadillac being interim coach down at Auburn. But he's like, Coach, I'm not fullback, man. I mean, you, you uh, hey, Coach Borges, what, what you going to do? And, and you, you kind of started incorporating them more, right? Well, you have to. I mean, if you got weapons, you got to shoot them, right? I mean, yeah, otherwise, you, you, you lose the game and you look up and you go, man, I left all my ammunition in the gun, you know? So you got to always have a plan for the guys to feature them. Now, you just got to know certain games that they're not going to get the ball as much as they want. That's just kind of the, the way the game goes sometimes. But uh, you got to make sure that you identify your weapons and your weapons are used. You know what I mean? And and sometimes it takes five targets to get a guy two balls, Sam, you know, because the ball gets checked down, they double cover him. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that can happen, and you don't want to be forcing balls in there. But I think the one thing as a coach, and I would I would say this, and I will die believing this, if you're trying to make people happy, you're going to make nobody happy, mm-hmm. including yourself, because you're going to lose your job. Uh, so design the game to win the game, knowing that if you don't use all your weapons – that's your fault. And I, I've done that. I've gone back and said, Ronnie was a good example of that. I had Ronnie one. I we played the first game of the season and Ronnie Brown didn't touch the ball, but seven times it says that it's not Ronnie Brown's fault. That's my fault. And we resolved it. We resolved it, but it wasn't, uh, you have to know that, 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 uh, you got to shoot your gun, shoot the guns. And really what I found is the, the residual or the byproduct of a good diversified offense is that a lot of people get to touch the ball. Hence everybody's basically happy. So, uh, and I think you'll see that by the end of the season, but remember, Sam, Michigan is not a 40 passes a game team. That's no, not, not how they choose to be. So there's going to be games. Wide receivers aren't going to be as happy as running backs. Yeah. So uh, Venice nine Oh two by 91 says, just win, baby. Don't care if we don't pass at all, just win. And so look, is that Al Davis? Did Al Davis? Right. Was he reincarnated? Here's, here's the thing. It may be the case. It may be the case that that's maybe that's good enough to beat everyone, right? That that might be a championship formula. I won't even discount that. Uh, it, it may be that moving forward, that you know this is this is the style that that you adopt. Then. What you have to accept as a byproduct of that is that the depth of the receiver room that Michigan has now, the depth of talent they have in that room now, is not sustainable. Like That's you, right. You're, you're not going to have that many yeah. that many guys, you know, that are that are big time elite receiver talents uh, in that receiver room if your style of play, if this mm-hmm. will be your style of play, in perpetuity. Now, I'm, and I'm not saying that as a criticism. No, or that's just what's going to happen, right? That's just what's going to happen. Yeah, it's just going to have that, and that that could be a casualty of the system. Now you never know. Let's play the what if game, Sam. Let's try this. Have a little fun here, and we'll have a little fun with the fans too. What if Michigan decided to up the ante and go to throwing 
37 passes a game, 35 to 37, okay? Mm-hmm. How would that change them? Would that, and and I'm, this is a hypothetical here now, but it'd be curious to know what people thought is, would that sustain the winning and get the ball to more people? Or do you want to risk doing that, get away from what you do? And I'm not advocating either. I'm just saying, uh, just posing a hypothetical here. You want to risk doing that, get away from what you're doing, then all of a sudden your interception rate, because you're throwing more balls, maybe you throw one or two in a game, which could be the difference. But the upside is you get the ball to some guys that you weren't getting it to before and maybe create more explosives. So that's the what if. Uh, Now, the thing about it is that Michigan's got an 8-0 record to tell you that that's not the best way to do that, right? Right. You know what I'm saying? But another devil's advocate would say, hell, we could have an 8-0 record doing it that way too and have more – have a more uh, diversity in our offense. So yeah, I just, I just happen to think, and look, uh, you're the expert here. I just happen to think that uh, involving the receivers more will, will is part of the solution to what ails them uh, in, in the red zone. Introducing the two way V4 where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance with fuel cell. Each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return paired with fresh foam experience, maximum comfort throughout the game. It's lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two way for yourself at newbalance.com. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Let's get to the bitter and the sweet from, again, let's, re, let's remember, this is an 8-0 and o football. So let's not, let's not be distracted, too distracted, from the fact that they just went and bullied Michigan State and, and basically made them yell mercy, basically made them punk out in, in, in the tunnel, right? That, that's essentially what we saw happen on the field. And so you're bitter and you're sweet from the, Al, from the game, Al, before we get to your grades. Well, the bitter's obviously the red area. That's that was uh, a lot of buyer's remorse on that one because this game could have been a complete rout. I think had they turned some of those uh, those first five drives, if just three of them would have resulted in touchdowns, I don't think this would have been a close game uh, at any time during the game. But because of that, that has to be, and, and that again revolves around uh, some 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 poor execution, some poor technique, and some untimely calls. And and I think that was a big part of it. Um, the other bitter, I think, again, not to be redundant, but I think the wide receivers got to get more balls somewhere in there. You know, I think uh, when you get, uh, you know, uh, Ronnie Bell had four catches, CJ had only one, and Roman Wilson, who I really thought would be a factor in this game, and I turned out to be wrong because of their safety coverage, caught one ball for minus three. So I think that is something that, you know, I'm sure they're addressing. They're thinking about, hey, we got to we got to get the ball some of these weapons more. But those are the two things to me that stood out to me. But here's the sweet, and I don't think it's been talked enough about. I haven't even heard it come up much. 
Now, maybe you've talked about it and I didn't hear it, but uh, what J.J. McCarthy did outside the structure of the offense to make this thing go, he had three plays where he ran for first downs, big first downs, okay? Two other plays where he scrambled through, okay, where his athleticism got him out of a mess and bought him time to get rid of the ball for big completions. That's five plays there. Five plays where your quarterback's athleticism is keeping drives going or creating explosives that I don't nece- that I didn't necessarily draw on the board. You know what I mean? And by pure structure, anyway. I think that is truly a sweet, without a doubt. Uh, Corum had another big game. I think he went for uh, uh, what did he go for? Uh, 33 for 177. Does that sound right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he toted the ball. He was he was big. Um, Donovan had 10 carries for 42 yards. J.J. had seven carries for 50 yards. And if your quarterback can rush for 50 yards every game, that's pretty good. Unless he's Denard Robinson, which you expect him to rush for 150 yards. But they don't have Denard Robinson, so that's they play within what they do have. He was 15 for 25 for 167. And 167 is reflective of no explosives by the outside receivers. So that, that is, uh, is again, a bit of a bitter, but the sweet is they scored. They played great in the second half. I thought, I mean, they were solid as a rock. They, they, uh, they do play a ball control game. So time of possession does count. Don't let anybody tell you it's an irrelevant statistic with a team like Michigan. It's huge. They had the ball 40 minutes and 33 seconds to Sparty's 1927. So uh, any way you cut it, when you rush 5.3 and they rush 1.6 to run, you got a great chance to win. We sort of lost your, your volume there, Al, for a minute. Can you Let me get a test, test, test from you real quick, Al. Test, test, test. Am I sure? You're, you're back. You're back. God, I don't usually suffer from volume problems, that's for sure. <laughs> 11 first downs for Michigan State, 27 for Michigan. That's dominance. And here's a key one, Sam. One for four on fourth down. That's what Michigan State was. Mm-hmm. Michigan was one for one. That was huge. Yeah, halftime adjustments for the uh, the Michigan uh, defensive staff were sublime. They, it, it they was were just, great, yeah. And that, that crew, uh, considering what they lost – uh, it's just been a fantastic showing by the by Michigan's defensive staff. Let's get into your grades, Al. Yeah, I, I didn't. Overall, I liked the the outcome. I did, but I really didn't like. I thought Michigan could have played better, and I think they they tell you that. I thought the O line was a C. I thought there were a lot of lot some missed assignments, some technique issues. Some of that was Michigan State. Now, uh, the addition of Slade made a difference uh, up front inside their. Uh, their defensive tackle area, but I did not. I thought the offensive lines played much better games. The tight ends were good in receiving, average blocking. I gave them about a C plus. I thought they could have done a better job. The running backs, I gave a B. Uh, Corum was good. I mean, he was like he always is, but there were some some things I think that weren't great. I gave JJ uh, uh, McCarthy a B plus, and the reason I did is because of his improv skills. Not so much uh, his passing acts and all that because he's had better games, but I thought he bailed him out of several situations. I gave the receivers a C plus. Uh, some of it, again, with that fumble, there was 
they could be creating more than two. I mean, more and more opportunity to get themselves open for big plays, although I don't know that there are many of those. But they just weren't enough of a factor blocking or receiving in this game to give them a good grade. So I didn't think it was the best performance by the offense. I think it was, at the end of the day, pretty solid and did what, and they did what they had to do to win. But uh, I just didn't feel like they played as well as they're capable of playing. I had 35 total minuses by the offensive line, and that's the most I've had in any game. So uh, that, was, uh, that was part of it. Their uh, approach... Uh, they ran the duo play eleven times against Sam. Eleven more duos. We're getting some some mic some mic yeah. issues. I don't know what's happening with your mic there. I don't yeah, know, Sam. I, I, I haven't done anything. You haven't done anything. I Are you deliberately muting me? I, that's I, I. I just I smell a rat. Um, <laughs> uh, eight split zones, five open side zones, uh, four tight zones couple of tackle wraps and a couple flies, one for a touchdown. So right. that was kind of their approach. The counter, the counter has kind of faded. I had one counter to a wing side that was average, but the duel was kind of taken over. So so that's uh, my bittersweet. That's my grades. And I, I whether right, wrong, or indifferent, that's the way I saw the game. All right. So, uh, Al, we'll start getting into the questions now. Let's start breaking them down. And uh, as I said, uh, put it out there, get your questions in the chat, uh, post them now, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, uh, post them in the, uh, in the chat and the responses here, and I'll get as many of your questions in as possible. And so going back, David Betts asks, question for Al, run game, great, 8-0, awesome, but is this offense enough to retain and recruit wide receiver talent? If I'm an elite weapon, I don't want to commit to blocking uh, four years. I think you meant the the number four. We kind of yeah. this out. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. You know, some guys look at other places and say, I'd rather play wide receiver in their offense or that offense. I think this, I think uh, with this quarterback that uh, the passing game is going to grow. I think more passes are going to be thrown out. I don't think they're ever going to be a 35, 40 game, 40 pass game team. But you are, I think his, they became, this kid plays more and more. They're going to have a lot of confidence in his ability to put the ball up more. So I think it is, you know, what do you want as a receiver? You want a quarterback that can get it to you. And if they're, the passes are getting called, which I think as he grows more, they will be. I think that that's still a good selling point for Michigan. But the, the question is a very good question because that's those are the numbers that your opponents are going to use against you when you recruit. All right. Here is another one. Uh, that says, are teams continuing to play too high, keeping Michigan from going over the top? Are there plays that can still hit with with defense uh, in that formation with 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 two high safeties? No, absolutely. You know, you're asking two high safeties to play 53 yards of width. Uh, now, are you going to throw deep go outs on them? No, but there's all kinds of holes underneath that. You can throw the ball on too high. Some quarterbacks prefer it, but you're getting answered. The question is you're getting a mix of two high, one high uh, based on, you know, what the down and distance is. If you look at how this game went uh, now, I'll just give you an example. Um, here we go. The first half uh, they came out. The first, first defense of the game was, it was a one high look. The second was a split safety, two high look. The third was a crash with a, with a one high look. The third was a, 
was a was a one high look. The fourth play was a two high look. But my, my point is, is they're mixing their looks. Okay, you're getting some split safety defense. You're getting some one high defense. It doesn't really matter. You can throw into anything if you've got good route design and you can pitch and catch. Yeah, I, one of the points that you made last time when we did the preview last week of Michigan State, and I was talking to some guys uh, on the inside about what Michigan State was doing and was that were they kind of restricting the passing game. And it, it wasn't necessarily the case, but it, it was confusing what they, what they were doing at times. And, and and not confusing because, oh, man, that's just so, so sophisticated. But just a lot of what they were doing just seemed so unsound. Al. They, were, they threw a lot of stuff against the wall to see if it would stick, seemed to be the kind of kind of feedback that I was getting about. What was J.J. seeing out there? So the whole lot of stuff he was seeing out there. Yeah, they, they do a lot of stuff now. And we talked about this last time is their base coverage is match quarters, which takes a ton of practice, a lot of practice. And when you play match quarters, usually match quarters teams play match quarters and small variations off that coverage where they'll press or double or poach or do whatever, but they won't play a lot of other conceptually different coverages like a three deep, various spin downs, brackets, doubles, robbers, Michigan state does it all. I mean, they don't care that, you know, they, they'll give up a little in their match quarters to give you variation, which can be good and be bad. So. So, Al, um, so many questions continue to come through about uh, about the red zone. We've talked about that at length, but let me let me try to encapsulate all the questions that continue to come through in the red zone in a nutshell. So you've seen Michigan through eight games now. So you you have an understanding of of what you have and what different guys can do right by this point in the season. Game plan, the red zone. it, moving forward, so it's sort of starting with this Rutgers game, which not the, I mean, no disrespect intended, but you, this is a scout team you're about to play. Uh, yeah. So, so, so game plan, the, the red zone in, in this game in, with the, with an outlook for how it might translate moving forward. Well, as I said earlier, I think more early down passing and featuring, uh, featuring the wide receivers, I think, uh, and again, I'm not talking about throwing every down. I'm talking early down passing where the expectations are that you're going to run the football, which, you know, opens up play action pass opportunities. That would be one. Again, I would not, just because of this game, I still would feature some quarterback runs. I don't see any issues with that. And the inclusion of naked bootlegs. You know, I think nakeds inside the 20-yard line can be very effective. I went back over some of my old cut-ups, which I look at on occasion, and I want, I counted 27 touchdown passes in 10 years off naked bootlegs. That's a lot of touchdown passes off, off, of, a, you know, uh, off of one concept. Michigan is a good naked team. They are very good at, at, at sliding receivers and running over routes and that type of stuff and working those sales. And they did run one naked down there. So they have it. But I think, you know, adding maybe a little bit of that and also, you know, bearing in mind that, that McCarthy is a run threat too off that stuff. I think that's good. But just, uh, uh, I think, more inclusion of the receivers, more early down passing, and just stick with the, the quarterback runs and your base run game. Don't give up on that because, goodness, they've been they've been good. So, Yeah, other other than the fade ball, which is what Devin was calling for, let me see some more fades. Let me, let me see uh, you use some of the – you got a 6'3", uh, Cornelius Johnson. You got Ronnie, who uh, is, a good fade, is a good fade ball guy. You, you got some – uh, you got some size, even 
on the bench. Other than that, Al, they, are there particular plays, specific plays uh, that based on what you've seen them do or in your experience, you know, plays that you would pull out in the resumes like, yeah, hey, man, I think this would be something that would work well for them. Most of them they have. It's just a matter of when you want to call them. You know, the post-corner post, which we've seen, right? The deep crashing routes, which we've seen. They have all those type of things, you know, shots for the end zone or checkdowns, reds, uh, touchdown or checkdown. Those type of corner post, uh, post corners, uh, crossing routes, all those type of things are good stuff if you can get protected because, you know, you get them in single coverage, you got a pretty good deal. And then once you break, you know, the low red area, the plus 10, you know, again, the naked bootlegs, the front and backs on the inline, those types of plays. They have all these plays. It's just a matter of how you time out those calls. Do you want to run them early? Do you want to run them late? And just know if they're passes and they run late, they're less likely to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing I don't know is, is um, and I, I do not know the answer to this question. I don't know how they're, what they're uh, play calling, sequencing, how it's handled. Is it, you know, do you, does one guy handle all red zone or do they do they still stick with with third down and, and goal line uh, being a particular? I, I don't know how the responsibilities are broken up because Jim has had, you know, he's had times where one guy was pass game, one guy was run game. The other guy was was goal line. And I mean, you, you've you've and so I don't know quite how that's being handled on this staff. I don't know if that contributes to, to this at, at all either. But you have to imagine. Yeah that they look at a a, a 63% conversion rate because, you know, coaches, just like players got to get better week to week. They got to be looking at it too. How do we improve this? You got to imagine that that's something, however, that sequencing is working out. That's something that they're looking at too. Another idea, Sam, and I've done this. I've done this uh, when we're struggling in the red zone because there's always years where you're struggling. You know, God would just, is to script the red zone. It's just like you would script the first 15 plays is to say this way you're not left to the emotion of the game to make your decision on a play call. You've got it right there in a call sheet. You say, okay, once we break the 20, my first call is A. My second call is B. And if it's third down, have a separate script for your third downs. Uh-huh. But that's another way to do it. That, that, that makes you say, okay, I'm going to throw a pass on first and 10 when all my instincts, if I didn't script it, would be to run a running play. So that, that's another thing I've done in the past. I haven't done it in every game, but I've done it when we were struggling. And I know I was falling into a, a little bit of a tendency when we got down there. Gotcha. Here's one from Greg Kaufman. Al, at what point do you give your young quarterback the ability to check out of plays where they know they're outnumbered? When, they, when, when you're confident that he has a complete grasp on the offense and he's going to get you into the right play. Now, when is, when is that? Hell, I don't know. Uh, I'd have to coach him to know that. But uh, you have to be convinced if you're going to turn the keys and the car over to him both, which means now he's going to control the line of scrimmage. I'm sure they do some of that already, but I don't see him killing a lot of plays. And you know when a guy – kill means audible check, completely change it. But I don't see that happening a ton. So they're probably not right, quite ready to give him the whole deal. But I think the more use he plays, the more responsibility he will have to control the line of scrimmage based on what he sees with the defensive configuration. Here's another, Alan. We actually saw, I, I felt like we saw, uh, you know, the passes that they did do. I, I felt like uh, play action seemed to be more present this week. I didn't chart it. I'm sure you did. But 
Uh, JMAT277 said Michigan needs to do more play action pass, tempo, and deep balls. Adding tempo would make Michigan's offense unstoppable with the way that they can run the ball. What say you, Al Borges? Yeah, you're not getting tempo, so quit asking the question. They're <laughs> <laughs> not doing that. That's not their style. They're a run control, they're a ball control team. They believe in time of possession. That's how they play. So you can screen for tempo unless it's two minute. I've seen no signs of it in, I don't know, the three years I've watched Michigan play uh, under Harbaugh. Uh, number two, uh, uh, I do believe play action is a great way to get the ball to wide receivers. It's the best way, in my opinion, particularly with chunks, is layered routes, uh, multiple layered routes, deep stair right, routes, uh, um, uh, floods or sails, all those types of patterns pull the defense up with the action and throw the ball behind the second level, either to the outside or the middle with great chance for run after catch. So I think those are that to me is, is within in their culture and could be featured more. All right. Here's one from Jason Witt. Al, should we be concerned about the, the amount of carries Blake Corum is getting a lot of games in the thirties? I don't know. The ball's not that heavy. <laughs> uh, I don't see him having too many problems. So, no, I'm not uh, concerned. Uh, and he's what's helping him win. Now, you know, how that is, you can always get hurt. You get hurt carrying the ball five times a game, too. And Donovan got 10 carries, I believe, in this game. So he got featured some. But, you know, uh, not that doesn't concern me. I like winning. And I know as soon as you start thinking about that too much, you start giving it to guys you'd rather see, you'd rather have Quorum taking those carries, so yeah, it was. I, I think the the wear and tear. But this is look, he added fifteen pounds of muscle in in the off season. Now he doesn't look like he's lost a step, and he had this in mind. You remember when the talk was, hey, you know, where is Michigan going to get their their short yardage ability from? You know, that was the sign, and they don't have all they have is the lightning. They don't have the thunder, and I think Blake said, okay. I'm going to show you. And yeah. We're, we're Sam, the- he plays much bigger than he is. Let's be clear. Now, he, 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 from the, from the stands, Blake looks to be a little diminutive, you know, he's not okay. And he's, he's a thick kid that's strong and plays much bigger than he is and doesn't very often take big hits because he, a great back never gets hit hard because he never gets hit head on. Okay. And you notice that doesn't happen to Blake Corn very often. Because he always, they always have a way to slide, slip, duck a shoulder, give you a hip, take it back, and avoid taking that big hit. And he has uh, certainly done that. Mm-hmm. Look, again, I, we've beaten red zone to death and passing game to death. Uh, but here's a, a more specific question. If you had to quantify it, Al, would the pass run split be a bigger problem? or with the types of passes being called be be the problem? Or I'll add one for you. You said it's how they time out, or is the That's type it. of it? That's how I'm going to answer the question. I'm going to say neither one of those. It's how you time your calls. Now, listen to me, all you people out there, all you fans, and listen closely. This will be the most valuable play caller lesson I ever give to you. And Sam's heard me say it a million times. It's not what you call. It's when you call it. You understand? So if you can time out the right call against the right defense, and again, a lot of it's research, some of it's instinctive, you know what I mean? Some of it's just keeping your head about you 
and not panicking and spitting out a call that you have confidence is good in that situation. But time your calls out. If you can time your calls out based on advantageous scenarios, you will have more successful plays. Now, you can't do that all the time. I don't care who all these offensive coordinators out out there that think they can do that. They can't do that all the time because there's going to be times you swing and miss. Well, what happens then? Two things got to happen. Either you got to minimize the damage or you got to have a quarterback with enough skill to bail you out. You understand? And that's, they got a guy that can do that, you know, but don't make a bad play worse and allow the kid to do what he does best using good judgment. All right. Here's another broken record question al might as well answer it for the thousandth time clinton's uh, clinton kreitz asked al why don't we see screens with our talented line and backs they don't run screens okay they just don't that's not their deal and, and i don't count bubbles so you know anybody wants to come back say oh there's a but no those those aren't screens those those are run control plays where the receivers are in front there's no linemen in front of those guys. They are not a screening team. They have decided, I'm convinced of this because I've watched them a lot now, that they are going to make their bones with other stuff. They're going to get efficient at other stuff and sacrifice a screen package because of it is a screen. I love screens. You're talking to a man who's run every screen conceivable to man. But to get good at screens takes a lot of practice, okay? Incredible timing, athletic alignment, and they have to work, you have to have periods Every day where you go back over that. And I just think Michigan would rather spend time on other things. And at 8 no, they're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Al, it says, uh, do you think we'll be ranked ahead of Tennessee tonight? We are a more complete team, and the committee respects us. That's why we're ranked ahead of MSU after losing to them last year. Talking about heading into the season, I think. Yeah. What he's talking about. But I, I just I, – I think the mileage they get out of beating Bama – Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's anything Michigan can do short of beating Ohio State that'll get them over Tennessee. That's just my opinion. I'm curious what you think. Well, I think Tennessee's got a dynamic off- offense, an incredible playmaker, quarterback. I do not think they have a championship defense. And I think that's going to show up as they play more eventually. I think it's just a matter of time before that happens, where I believe that Michigan uh, does and has proven that they have a pretty dynamic defense. So, I think Michigan is a more complete football team at this point. But if Michigan played Tennessee, I think they have a better chance at containing Tennessee's offense, not stopping it. Now, be clear there. And uh, because they have a, a better defense and still be able to score on Tennessee's defense. So I would overall pick Michigan. And this is not a slanted. This is a coach talking here, not I love Michigan. I'm saying I think Michigan is more complete than Tennessee from an overall team perspective, not to mention they have a kicker that is solid as a rock. Yeah, he is. He is money. Tobias Lewis asks, Al, outside of Illinois, uh, the team has a pretty easy road to Ohio State. What would your message to the team be? What should be our focuses uh, in the weeks leading up to that game? Beat Rutgers. Beat Rutgers. And don't have Rutgers' record be your standard. Have Michigan be your standard. Your ability to improve and play at the level you should play, regardless of the opponent, regardless of where the game's played, regardless of when the plays the game's played, regardless of anything, just set your standard to be a 
good Michigan football team, do your job the way your job is supposed to be done and aim at the target in front of you and don't listen to all the damn noise outside because that's going to keep you off aiming at the target in front of you. So what they should think about right now is beating Rutgers. Yeah, uh, here's one, Al. I don't know if you got a chance to watch much of the Ohio State-Penn State game. I said, but Al, what area of the 2022 OSU defense would you find an advantage for Michigan? Look, if, if Penn State could hold on to the football, I mean, they kept turning the freaking thing over. And, yeah. But Sean Clifford had a good passing day. He threw for nearly 400 yards in that game. Yeah, I didn't see that game. So, and I have I need to study Ohio State more. Obviously, I'll have some great answers for that question if you give me some time. But I, I have not looked. I, I was at, I was at the Auburn game. I think while that game was being played, so I didn't see it. I know Michigan. I know Ohio State's defense is improved. I also know that before Penn State, I don't think they had played a great offensive football team to really prove that they've improved. But you've got to only go by what they've done, and what they've done has been pretty good. But Penn State did move the ball on them some which, you know, makes you wonder. So we'll talk more about that as that gets closer. Here's here's a piggyback off a question that we got into earlier, Al, talking about the workload for, for Blake. Would this be a thought process, a mindset for you, or would you allow it to happen uh, as part of game flow? It says over the next few games, would you reduce the number of carries for Quorum? I would imagine that the hope would be that, that you'd be up big enough to reduce his workload, but would you be intentional about it no. going into the game? No, no, I would let game flow dictate that. And then knowing that, you, obviously, I don't want to get him hurt. I, I want to see him. And But to say I'm going to intentionally give him less carries, not in my room is that going to happen. I'm not going to allow that to happen. But but we're going to try and be smart, too. We know, we're going to know, hey, if, if, if we've got the advantage here and it doesn't look like they got a snowball chance of hell of beating us, let's lighten it up and use them in other games. But until that is indeed the case, we are going to play this game, the next game, the game after that, and any other game we play the same way. We're going to fire our weapons early and often and then see how things shake out and adjust from there. Uh, I, you know, I sort of had you look at Michigan's defense. I asked you a question about Michigan's defense last year, last week, I should say. But I kind of talked about their halftime adjustments. Jesse Minter, uh, the the secondary adjustment from Steve Klinkscale. They, uh, it has been impressive considering the job. depth of talent that they've lost, that they lost last year, that these guys, I mean, they, they just really done a great job. dialed up. I'm curious what you think of Michigan's defense as you look oh, at they've done a great job. strategically. Now, I've actually coached against Jesse when he was at Georgia State. We played, when I was at San Jose State, we played them in a bowl game. And I got a, a taste of how he thinks and his style of play. And that was cool because we got to watch uh, 11 or 12 games of their defense before we played him. So I had a pretty good feel for it. I just think he does an outstanding job of mixing his pressure with his coverage and showing enough coverages without getting too cute. And uh, so the kids can still execute. I think Michigan's defense, Sam is playing fast. And when you, they play fast and they're not too analytical, the athleticism shows through. And I think he's allowed them to do that. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Only a few more. Uh, for Al Borges before we get out of here. Uh, so if you got them, now is the time as I scroll through to the last uh, few. And I guess the uh, the sound thing was on my end, not your, not your end, Al Borges. I knew you were trying to blame me. Same old thing every week, Sam. It's always my fault. <laughs> the folks say, hey, he's good on this our end. We're loud and clear. So, yeah, we can't make Al Borges speak any louder. I mean, 
no, we can't do that. No, they don't want to hear it. Kind of put a hurting on my ears as, as much as it is, Al Borges. All Although right. I do have a pretty melodious voice, Sam. The guy <laughs> in the airport told me that. All right. Uh, what are your thoughts? So this has been something we've seen less of. What are your thoughts on, on the A.J. Henning gadget package? That was something we saw in the first few games. We just haven't seen as much of here of late. Go, man, go. I love it. Get him involved. That kid's a weapon. Uh, we just haven't seen much of him other than special teams. But, yes, I vote yes to that. The A.J. gadget package, whatever that be. Reverses, reverse passes, I don't care. Get him involved because I think that kid's bring something to the table. All right. So what we have coming up, uh, because there are so many messages to try to get through here, and we're at about our hour limit. And so I'm just scrolling through for the for the last one. They got to be sick of us, don't they? Isn't being used more. I mean, they've just really leaned into. You got two backs that you're trying to feed, right? Two backs you're trying to feed. You got a you know a a top line receiving court that's trying to get more involved. They yep. clearly use a lot of tight ends. It's just one ball. One ball, Sam. Sam, one pelota. Okay, one. One guy can touch it. He can throw it to another guy, but then only two guys get to touch it. Usually, no more than two get to touch it on one play if you don't count the center. So. Uh, that can be an issue sometimes. Look at this. It's it, this must be Cole. This must be Cole or Maddie. No, with no, a no, no. That's that's a dude your that's too. got good taste right there, Sam. He's not like you. He's not oblivious to brilliant Sam like you are. He knows what time it is. That guy. I love Al. I put it up. I here, like so him see. too. I like him a lot. A lot. You don't even know him, Al. I don't. I don't care. I just like his attitude, Sam. I don't know that you need to know him. I mean, goodness gracious. All right, folks. Well, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, we appreciate you taking time. Don't, re- don't forget that uh, coming up at about 4.30 today, we will be sitting down with Vance Bedford for the defensive breakdown of Vance. Was, uh, he was quick to note the defensive adjustment that turned the game for Michigan, turned the game, uh, just completely locked down the Michigan State offense, an offense that was thriving on jump balls. When they took that off the table, they had no alternatives. It was a great, great, great adjustment by the Maze Moose. So we'll get into that. We obviously have the film study I'm about to get into with Al as well. Be on the lookout for that tomorrow. Of course, if you like this broadcast, if you like these this video and these series, uh, the series of videos that we do, be sure to like the video. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. That way you'll get a notification every time we do a new video. Of course, if you're listening to this on the podcast channel, like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast google stitcher spotify itunes you name it then of course where it all goes down over on the michiganinsider.com that's where you can find our videos that's where you can find our podcast and the stories which we do more than anything else uh team coverage recruiting coverage second to none we cover it all and this is going to be a heavy 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 travel week on the recruiting side michigan basketball just picked up a commitment today we got some big time targets uh, kind of laying out their decision timelines. And then, of course, we're steamrolling into Ohio State. $1 gets you in your first month. Then when you become a full-paying member, that subscription also covers the cost of your Paramount Plus subscription. So it is a great bang for your buck. Be sure to subscribe to us over on the MichiganInsider.com. Al, are you going to plug your book before we get out of here, man? I'll plug it in the next one, Sam. I got to go right now. I got an issue to take care of. All right. All right. Well, listen. Deny of the Tiger is the name. Deny of the Tiger. Be sure to check that out. And be sure to check out the film study. Until next time, 
Thanks for watching another edition of the Michigan Football Breakdown focused on the offense with Al Borges. Go Blue. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.